Hey, welcome to the Neighbors Church podcast and our Sunday teachings. We're so grateful and so humbled that you are being blessed by and allowing our community to shape you. We're committing the entire month of November to becoming a people of prayer. We want to create a culture of prayer, and we would invite you to do the same through this beautiful month of gratitude and thanksgiving. If you need anything, please reach out to us at info at sdneighbors.church. Let us pray for you and be blessed. Uh, Why don't we stand for the reading of scripture together? We're in the book of Ephesians. Historically, um, the ancient church, they would read scripture um, probably like actually most of the time they were gathered together. It was, um, you know, someone would maybe take some time to explain it, but you know, imagine that we gather here together and then we read like the whole book of Ephesians and then we're like, go home. It's, it was almost like that. So these moments where we lean into the text together, this is the real meat. This is God speaking to us as a community. So, uh, you know, lean into this moment. Maybe close your eyes, get in a posture just to receive what the Spirit is saying to us today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Well, go ahead and take a seat. We're in a short, beautiful journey through prayer. We're not necessarily here to like describe what prayer is and and give you like a theology on prayer. It's literally to get you into praying today. So we're going to go into these movements of prayer together. And and you're again, you're here to pray. So I'm not going to talk for 45 minutes. I'm maybe talk for 15 and then we'll get into just knocking on the door of heaven. I was born into a a house of faith, of, of prayer and of praise I can remember the feeling of a Sunday morning. It was anticipation, joy, a little rush to get out the door on time. There was gospel music playing before uh, I had even woken up through a cassette player. You guys know what a cassette player is? Gen Z cassette player. 
You're like, yeah, I know what it is, sure. Um, before I'd even opened my eyes, there was just like loud music blasting at me, um, and it was amazing. I imagine that's where some of the, the musical thing was formed in me. And there were songs about God's love and, and God's story and his story colliding with ours and, and faith and, and sweeping emotion and, and runs and backbeats and gospel choir harmonies and sometimes some R&B and pop tunes reworked into songs about Jesus, if you can imagine how hilarious that is. And for a while, this was my whole concept of God. It was a little Sunday morning, a little prayer before bed, maybe before eight, and some good music. So when I was asked for the first time if I wanted to invite Jesus into my heart, I had little reservations. I was like, good music, Sunday morning, sick. This is great. I love this. Jesus, cool. And maybe you grew up in this sort of evangelical setting where this question was posed to you in Sunday school, or your parents brought this proposal to the table, or whatever it was, and you were invited to pray the prayer, inviting Jesus into your heart, into your life, and into your story right? This is simple. This is, this is good, okay? Now I have this imaginary best friend living inside my heart. It was a, it was a simple concept to grasp. Maybe even life-changing for those of you that experienced this. It was for me in many ways. It opened my, my eyes up to the presence of God. It opened me up to the presence of God. But when you stop and take some time reading through the Bible, you can't really find this explicit scenario playing out with anyone that truly does end up becoming a follower of Jesus. There's no moment where Jesus goes, hey, Peter, invite me into your heart, dude. He doesn't, that never happens, never happens. He doesn't go and stand before the crowds before he feeds them and says, hey, guess what, guys? I want to live inside of your hearts. There's no moment where he lays out, he says, all you got to do is say this prayer right now. Say this prayer and I'm going into your heart. He doesn't lay that out for us. That is not necessarily the gospel. It's not explicitly prescribed, it's not, um, and it's not explicitly prohibited. Don't get me wrong. This isn't like a total evangelical fabrication. You can clearly see where this tradition is influenced by Scripture. Even in Paul's prayer last week, we read Ephesians 3. Dan read it out. Paul prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts, etc., etc., but what I found later on in my life as I engaged with God is that the starting point of our relationship would affect my interactions later on. And many of my interactions, even to this point in my life, are kind of backwards in nature. They're misaligned with the reality and gravity of a God who holds the cosmos in his hands. He's got the whole world, the whole world in his hands. Because of the way that I'd invited God in, most of these interactions kind of went and sometimes still go a little bit like, like this, like, hey, Jesus, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome to my life, welcome to my story, my little corner of the cosmos. Make yourself comfortable, grab a drink, sit back and just enjoy the Joshua. Just, just sit back and enjoy me. Now, there are some messy parts where I might need you to intervene and clean up and open some doors and heal some wounds and imbue me with personal purpose and bring me a super hot spouse and then fix that spouse when they get on my nerves and make me a good husband, wife, son, daughter, friend, coworker. And while you're at it, I guess you can do your whole restore the universe thing. I get it. That's your deal. Sounds good. Sounds good for me, too, honestly. Welcome to my heart. Just, I'm just oozing main character energy there. You guys know what main character energy is? 
Gen Z knows what main character energy is. You guys need to get hip on the lingo. It means I'm like the main character. Anyways, in this, in this whole thing. Um, and Paul, Paul, when he, <laughs> when he uh, was not a follower of Jesus, he also gave off some of that like energy. Like, what's up? I'm Paul. I'm in the room. Welcome to me. Before he was a follower of Jesus, he was almost single-handedly crushing a criminal worshiping cult that threatened to tear apart the fabric of his society, maybe even the whole Roman Empire. Yeah, he had to kill like a couple of people to make it happen. And the cult he was crushing was actually our ancestral family, followers of Jesus, peacemaking followers of Jesus that he was stoning to death. But in his mind and imagination, there were a bunch of criminal worshiping cult people that were tearing apart the fabric of his society. He was saving the day in his mind. He's like, I'm the hero and I'm saving the day. Absolute main character energy. Until he met Jesus. He has a rude awakening on the road to Damascus. He's going into the city to basically get approval from the government. He's like, I need approval from the government to shut this whole cult thing down so we can like put them in like a, you know, prosecute them and then uh, execute them or throw them in prison the right way. And so, you know, he's like, I'm doing the right thing here. And he's going to Damascus and, and, and then he's blinded by a light from heaven. And, it, and it's Jesus. You can go read Acts chapter 9 for yourself. But basically, in this moment, Jesus sets him straight. How many of you have been like set straight by Jesus? Show of hands. Every once in a while, you're like, yeah, yeah sure. And Jesus basically, you can go read it for yourself, but here's the true prayer phrase. Hey, Saul, because his name was Saul at the time. Saul, it's me, Jesus. The actual main character of this story. And hey, listen, you're done with the whole killing my people thing. Like, stop that. Go into the city. And from now on, I'm going to tell you what to do. And also, you're blind. Boom. You're blind and your name's not Saul anymore. Main character energy. I'm the real main character of the story. I'm Jesus. And, 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 and Paul finds himself in that moment completely like turned around. His life as he encounters Jesus on the road. And, and I mean, props to Jesus because if this Paul guy, this Saul guy was going around hurting my people, trying to shut down my kingdom. I would have been like, hey, Paul, guess what? You're dead. That's the end of the story if I'm Jesus. But Jesus in his mercy just closes Paul's eyes for a while and says, go into the city and I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to give you a new name. In a way, he does the same with us. You know, he's... he's Taking Paul in that moment, who in his imagination, in his mind, is, is saving the day. And he says, welcome to, to my story. You know what happens when Jesus encounters people oftentimes? He doesn't give an invitation to enter into them only. He says, you come and be a part of my story. My, my story, is, is, it's got room for you. And often our narratives, our stories, the things we've grown up with, whether it be triumphs or traumas, they're, they're, they're a little too small to fit in the God of the universe. I hope for in this moment, this is sort of a paradigm shift for you because what it can do for you is actually free you from yourself and help you set your eyes on Jesus. 
it's not just Jesus, welcome to my story. Come and do the things that, you know, I need you to do. It's Jesus, help me find my place in your story, in your life, in your heart, because truly that is where we find our deepest satisfaction. Do you ever wonder why you have dread in your heart? Why there's anxiety? Why there's um, uh, pain and trauma that maybe has been left untouched or undealt with, buried under layers of callous? Usually it's because you, in your mind, and not that you're doing this on purpose, it's not malevolent. This is where we find ourselves in the world, in a broken world. It's that we're trying to be the authors of our own story. Like, don't worry, Jesus. I got this. I can do this. I'll be the author and finisher of my faith. And Jesus, not even in the way that he sets Paul straight on the road, because I don't know what your life is, but I'm assuming that you haven't gone around stoning people. So for you, there's probably a different uh, a sort of mercy and compassion and gentleness with, with which he has invited you into his presence. Today, he's beckoning you to see him clearly, to see his heart, to see his love, to see his compassion. Though we try, we are, we're like poor authors of destiny. We're terrible masters of the universe. This is why we find ourselves frustrated all the time, right? Like, why won't this person do what I think they should do? Why won't they live out the story that I've penned for them? Because you're not the master of the universe. Jesus is, is the protagonist of this story. And when we can trust in that story, we can trust uh, him to be true to his word. When he says, I'm, I'm the peace that surpasses understanding, this morning we prayed and, and Max had this feeling. He was like, I think there's, uh, I just got this feeling that Jesus was my peace. Like when he says that and we believe him and we're living in his story, you can actually experience that. When you're living into his story, you can experience peace. You can experience joy. You can experience love, compassion, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of it. But you have to reshift your perspective. You have to have this sort of Damascus moment, Damascus Road moment. And so Paul eventually does get his sight back. So, you know, Jesus is like, you're blind, gone, sight gone. But then he goes into the city. He stays there for a while. He goes into a home. He gets his sight back, uh, his physical sight. And even more than that, he, he gets a, a vision of Jesus. And he uh, goes on to write a majority of the New Testament and do all sorts of Jesus-y things. Again, go read Acts. It's a fantastic, kind of fun story, actually. But having that story in frame helps us even more with the weight of what Paul is meaning when he says, says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened. I pray that your eyes would be open, right? So when a, if I were just to say, you know, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open, it sounds like cool, like cool. That's very, but when a blind guy tells you that, like a guy that was actually blind goes, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open so that you would get a vision of Jesus. He, it's kind of like a play on where he's like, hey, like I was blind. Then I saw you're blind. You need to see as well. 
And so there's this sort of weight to what he's saying. He's like, this is everything. Seeing Jesus, he praised this, having once been blinded. And when he finally regained his vision, it was like he had a new lens through which he saw the world. He had encountered Jesus. The wisdom and revelation of the Jesus was a lens through which he began to see the world. That's what we're praying for this morning. That's what we're praying for. We often get caught up in our own motions, in our own movements, in our own ways of seeing the world. And I've run into this a lot, especially when I first got saved. I was just like hype all the time. Let's go. Why aren't we praying right now? What's going on? Let's do this thing. And then, you know, people would be like, chill, like chill out. I'm trying to eat my scone or whatever. Just try, I'm just trying to eat a scone. I don't know why it was a scone. That's kind of, um, and, and there was, there was, okay. I, yeah, they were right. Actually, I kind of did need to chill out, but there was an aspect of it, of that passion, of that fervor of that, like, wait, isn't like, wait, okay. So I just got saved. I just moved into Jesus's story. Isn't everything about him? Isn't this supposed to be like pouring out of every like orifice, like out of my eyes and my nose and my ears? Like, isn't this supposed to be happening? Just like Jesus, like all the time. And subtly over time, even in the church, even by pastors, it was kind of like, not really. Not really. Like, you know, it's, you, you're, Jesus is good and he's great, but you don't have to be um, so passionate all the time. Just like, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Part of that I needed. And then the other half of it kind of caused me to let go of the desire for a passion to see Jesus. I chilled out. I got more intellectual. I got smarter. I'm like, psh, psh, I don't need to like scream. I'll just quietly lay out for Jesus some theology and then maybe he'll answer me. Like I'm gonna inform Jesus with my theology about what he needs to do. Hey, Jesus, check this out. I got this bit of information for you, so if you could just shift that, change that one. Thank you very much. That's kind of where we find ourselves in this contemplative motion. It's like, oh, if I can just get enough information and then try to like quietly meditate on it, then it'll happen, which um, is, is in part true, again. But there's a part of this whole Christian thing where you should be literally begging Jesus to move in your life. Where you should literally have a, this desire in you to see Jesus when you wake up in the morning because he's the, 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 the master of the universe. And not only is he the master of the universe, he's, he's already there in the room. He's like, hey, good morning. So wouldn't you want to see that? If the person that literally ruled over everything, where everything finds its sum and its end in him was there in the morning to greet you and there in the afternoon and beside you sitting in the car as you're driving to work and with you when you're studying for school and when you're on a date and when you're having coffee with that friend or whatever it is, wouldn't you want to see him? Wouldn't you want to see that? The person that can heal all the pains in your life and in the lives of those around you that can shift perspective, that can literally turn darkness into light. Wouldn't you want to see that Jesus? You should be begging heaven 
to see Jesus. You should be knocking, like beating down the door of heaven to see the spirit move in your life and be open with the outcome. Not get trapped in the thing of like, oh, I've been begging, so what's not, because he's, it'll, it'll find, everything finds its end in him. So you have to see the story clear, clearly. The, we're, we're praying this morning that the spirit would reveal Jesus to us and that we would be swept up into his story that the trappings and trauma of our cultural and personal moments would bow to his love today and that our eyes and me's might shift into a fully realized us. If you pay attention to the text we just read, it doesn't, he, Paul never says I or me. He's like us, 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 us. He did this for us. He did this for us. He did this for us because you're not just an individual while you are an individual and actually the scripture reveals to it like you're uniquely and specially designed. You're also part of a beautiful us, the story in which we find ourselves and that we might sense in our spirits and even in our body today that Jesus has truly won right now and in the end, like in, in our bodies today, that you maybe, like maybe you would even get goosies, that you would get goosies. Turn to your neighbor and say, goosies. You guys are like, no, nobody said it. <laughs> okay, come on, be here with me, right? It's okay. You know, Dan's like a little bit more put together than me, and I'm going to make you do some weird stuff. So just turn to your neighbor and say, goosies. Come on, Josh, say it. <laughs> everyone did it, just so you know. If you're listening on the podcast, everyone did it just now. So we're going to go through these prayer movements together. And I'm just here to encourage you. I'm just here to encourage you in your faith. Jesus is real. Jesus is here. You can see him today. We're praying for that today. So here's what we're going to do first. Here's our first prayer movement. It's thanksgiving and encouragement. Paul in the beginning says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not skipped, stopped giving thanks for you. You kind of need your affection for Jesus to be stirred by hearing a Jesus story. So here's what we're going to do. Turn around, like get with somebody around you, maybe four people, three people, and here's what you're going to do. Really quickly, really quickly, you're going to give like 30 seconds, something Jesus has done in your life. Just one thing Jesus has done in your life. If you're like, if you come here today and you're like, I'm a little bit down, I'm a little sad, I don't know if I've got anything from this week. Psalm 42 lays out this beautiful way to remember what God's done. It's the psalmist talking to himself, I'm so downcast, I'm so sad, woe is me, boo-hoo. But I can remember when I would go to the temple why are you so downcast, my soul? Why so disturbed with me? Yet I will praise God. So we're going to try that. If you're, if you're here and you're just stoked and you're stoked on Jesus, quick, 30-second story. If you're a little bit sad, remember something that Jesus has done to stir your affections. 30 seconds. Ready, set, go. And then you're going to pray and, and just like say, thank you, Jesus, together. Three, four, two people, whatever. If you're listening on the podcast right now, what you're going to do is just going to, if, maybe if you do have someone around you, you can go for that. But um, yeah, go ahead and, and think of something the Lord has done in your life. And then pray quickly.
Don't forget after you quickly share to just pray real quick. A prayer of praise. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this, this, this. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Jesus, I thank you for my family, the family you've given me. I thank you for this church community. I thank you for your love and your compassion, your heart. We thank you that together we have been called into a family. And if you're praying, you can keep on praying. Keep on going. Jesus, would you stir our affections for you with thanksgiving, with praise? We want to see you. We want to see you. Worthy Father. That was good, huh? Was that good? Was that encouraging? You feel something in your soul now, the, 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 the connectedness around the room, that the Spirit has been working in each of your lives? That's kind of what it's for. Like, oh, God did something in your life? God did something in my life. God did something in your life? God did something in my life. God did something in Joby's life? God did something in my life. To stir your affections for Jesus. As believers, these things should really be like at the forefront of our minds. Even when we're going through a hard time, I've battled with uh, depression and panic attacks for a long time in my life. And there have been seasons where I've let go of, uh, of the bringing to remembrance the things that God has done. Those are always the toughest seasons. The best ones were when I just like let myself feel it all. I cried and I was just like, God, I remember when you did this. I remember this. I'm holding on to it. I refuse to let go, even though like my body's breaking down and my mind hurts, my heart hurts. And I, I think that's probably actually what carried me through. And so whether in you're on a mountaintop or in the valley, we should be bringing to the forefront of our minds what God has done. And like Thanksgiving is in two weeks, so you can like keep on doing it. And I'm super thematically on right now. Turkey, mashed potatoes, raisins. Okay, um, movement two. Movement two, a revelation of Jesus. 
a, a, a revelation of Jesus. Or as I used to say when I was young, a revelation. Can I get a revelation? Paul says next, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let's take this moment. What you're going to do, we're going to, this movement is going to take a little while. But um, why don't you find some place? You can go. Also, the whole room is open. Like, if you need to go somewhere, we won't, this next part won't be uh, together at first. But find somewhere in the room and maybe stick with the group you have right now. Find somewhere in the room and you're just going to, you're going to pray that, that you'd be shown Jesus. There are a couple of ways that this happens. You need, you need wisdom. How many of you feel like super smart? Nobody, come on, a little confidence in self. How many of you guys feel like I'm an intelligent person? Come on, you guys are smart. Hey, how about this? I think you guys, y'all are intelligent people. I'm probably, probably the least like collegiate person in this room. So I know you guys are definitely intelligent people. You got degrees, even if it's a high school one, or you're just here listening. This is great. You're intelligent. You're smart. I speak that over you in Jesus' name. But you need today, you need a, a sort of spiritual wisdom. You, you open the Bible and you're just like, you know, what's this? What's this? Somebody just got their arm cut off. What? God, what am I supposed to do with this? What? Somebody slept with their mom. Stop. Like that, that's really in there. It's in the text. And so you're going to come to moments in the scripture where it's utterly confusing. Where it's, and it's not like the Bible's condoning that or anything. It's just saying like things like that are utterly confusing when you come to it. And you need a, a spirit of wisdom to show you the way through it. It's not like everyone in here needs to go to seminary and get a master's degree in Bible to like for Jesus to show them what the Bible is saying. It's you need to be filled with the spirit of wisdom so that you can open the Bible and see Jesus. It's all, it's all about Jesus. So you read it and you're like, this, somehow this has got to be pointing me to Jesus. That's what we want today. How many of you guys want to see Jesus? How many of you want a revelation of Jesus? Great. Awesome. That's what we're praying for. Pray for wisdom. Pray for insight. Find a space in the room. There's no music because we're totally going to get copyrighted if I try to put it on the podcast. So just go and in silence and out loud though, like in the kind of like maybe even awkward quiet, pray out loud that Jesus would show you himself. Ready? Set? Go, and then I'll call us back together. Kim asked a great question. So don't, don't stay in your group, but go and then come back into your group. Or even if you're in a group right now, just bow your head, close your eyes, get into your space with Jesus, and then we'll do the us thing, the together prayer. So just pray uh, unto yourself with God.
us, God. Beautiful. If fire is falling from heaven, keep on praying. Do not let me interrupt you. If the spirit is moving, just keep on leaning into prayer. But I'm also just going to pray as you're praying over everyone. Jesus, we need to see you. We, we need a revelation of, of you and who you are. We don't need a, a, a set of rules or ideas. We need your person here with us. We need your personal presence here with us. Reveal yourself. Reveal yourself in community. Would we see uh, someone around us and look them in the eyes and, and they say something to us that reminds us of Jesus? Would we uh, be prayed over and, and, and experience something that reminds us of Jesus? Would we walk through this world and, and have a sip of, a sip of coffee and, and, and the way it you know, makes us feel would remind us of Jesus? <laughs> that we would just be reminded of, of Jesus that we might live from that place of revelation, of wisdom, not holier than thou, but the way that Jesus lived, seeing others as higher than himself. Can you imagine that? The God above all, the highest, the highest God, seeing others as above himself, a humble king getting down into the muck that he might lift us up. We need revelation of that today so that we can be those sorts of people. And here we come to the third movement, the last thing we're going to do together. I think this is uh, important. Uh, this text is pretty important too. So can y'all, movement three, can y'all see that? Would you be able to read it together? Yes? I just need like one person to speak for everybody actually. You guys, listen, I came from a kind of a back and forth church. You know what I'm saying? Like, amen. Like, I need one of those every once in a while. Um, there you go. Preach, preacher. That's good. That's awesome. We're going to read this together. Movement three. We're praying for hope and strength in Jesus. And we'll read the text together, but we, we want. I'll say this after we read it. Come on, let's read together. And even maybe to one another. Uh, here we go. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Pause. Cool. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Does anyone want to tell me what that means? That was a lot of words just now. Come on, you guys just prayed for wisdom and insight. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it would be crazy if one of you just stood up and was like, mm, I'll be like, whoa, let's go, spirit. Okay, um, we're praying for strength and hope 
in Christ. Where do you need hope today in your life? Let it be personal because here's the thing. While it is about Jesus and while we do find ourselves wrapped up in his story, that should be our perspective. I'm a part of Jesus' story. I'm playing a sub role in this grand cosmic story of Jesus uh, winning, of everything finding its end in him. But in that story, Jesus, as the protagonist, really cares about you. Amen? He really cares about you, about the ins and outs, the particulars, the details of your life, the hopes, the fears, all of it. And in this current age, I know that you find yourself, and hopefully not, hopefully you're like, I, I don't even have an Instagram. I don't, TikTok, what's that? Um, the news, psh, I don't even watch that. I hope that's you, but if you're human and if you're American, here you are, welcome. Uh, you probably have all of those things or one of those things in your life. Where do you need to see hope in an age of dread? The whole world around us is like, be scared, be afraid. Be afraid of your neighbor, be afraid of your coworker, be afraid of that person across the street, be afraid of the person that doesn't look like you, be afraid of the person that doesn't look like you, be afraid of like some cataclysmic event happening at this point or another. I was just on YouTube because I like scroll on YouTube way too much. I was like, is an atomic bomb going to destroy the universe? Like, like that's, that's most of it, right? It's just dread and fear. Where do you need hope in your personal life though? Because there's some point in your life where those points of dread and fear has maybe pierced your heart and hit something personal in your life. Maybe there actually is something hard and difficult happening in your life. How do you hope in the middle of that? You, 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 you ask God. You ask the master of the universe, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, the same might and strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Like there's, there's resurrection power like for you today. I know it's like, it's a phrase and it's like, oh, let's break that down. Let's think about it a lot. But no, like really, I hope that you feel it today in your body. There's resurrection power for his church. So um, we're just going to take a moment and you're just going to pray that God would give you hope really quick. And I mean like quickly, like if you can just 10 seconds say, I need hope for this. Um, my grandmother just passed for me personally. I need hope. Uh, someone in my life is sick. I hate my job. I want to get out of it. Um, my relationship is difficult right now. Don't say that if the person in your relationship is standing right there. Don't do that. But, but I need hope. Like just a, a phrase and then just get to praying. Each one of you just look at each other. I need hope for this. I need hope for this. I need hope for this. And then get to praying. We have just a couple minutes left. This is our last movement. Just go for it. Pray that you'd be strengthened by the spirit, that you'd give hope and strength by the spirit. On your mark, get set, go.
You know, share as quick as you can, like New York style, like we don't even got time to share, like just <laughs> share and then just pray. We need your hope and we need your strength, Father. You hold it all in your hands. You hold it all in your hands. Everything finds its end, is summed up in you, Jesus. Help us to see that. Help us to know that in our hearts. That, that you've placed all things under under your feet, meaning like there's nothing above you. There's nothing too big for you. So we, we want to commune with you. Knowing that, you, man, you're, you're such a good friend. You're such a good friend. You're not ashamed of us. You're not judging us. You're not um, embarrassed about how excited we are about you. And you're not shamed that we might not be feeling it all right now. You just love us. Like a parent to a child, a healthy parent to a child. You see us and you love us. We thank you. We pray all these things. Everything that we've prayed. All of our prayers together, the prayers of your sons and daughters, would they come to pass by your spirit as we come to the table together? We're going to come to the table, so make sure you have your communion, and Ashley is going to lead us in a, a communion meditation.